Hi, Emily. Hi, Lauren. Well, I'm calling to tell you that there's no podcast episode today. Really? Well, why not? <laughs> we're just being meta because we are, I guess, being the. Why not? Because we are being an episode. But um, I'm such a bad actor. I couldn't. <laughs> I'm like given the worst actor. We should have taken acting classes, but we did. Actually, I did take one class at one point, but clearly didn't learn very much. So yeah, there's no episode today because um, I have a show, an exhibition opening this Sunday, and I've just been very busy um, preparing and. I didn't have enough time to prepare for a proper discursive podcast episode. So there. Okay, so this is like a little, you're giving us a little morsel of. Yeah, yeah, I'm basically. A little snack between real episodes. I'm I'm announcing (laughs) announcing the exhibition. (laughs) Even though there's no episode, you can come and hang out with me. Okay, so this is like a little puff piece about your exhibition. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Actually, I. I'm really excited about this exhibition. I'm very sad I can't be there. But I was just thinking today I was rereading the press release. That is just music to my ears. I feel like I'm like going about, but I'm not. But I was remembering when you were first telling me about this idea last summer in my kitchen in Minsk when you were visiting me. And I thought it was a really great idea then, and I'm happy to see that it's all coming to fruition. That's really great. And also what is especially great is that you're rereading the press release. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have to admit, when I got the email the first hilarious. time, I know I'm such a brown No, but nerd. I wish everyone would, you know, I wish that we, wouldn't it be great <laughs> if we just lived in a world where people would just casually read re-reading. press releases? Is it cool if I open it now? Yeah, also, so you I want didn't to realize you can read from it. You, you know, so many different email addresses that it was like, <laughs> I have five. I was searching my Gmail for Yelena and then it like suggested, you know, anyway, I like search for three different addresses before. I'm very indecisive. I can't decide in the proper email address. Well, I guess you kind of go with your different personalities. It's true. Yeah. You know how people say that they think differently? I mean, I have experienced this too in different languages do you feel like you have a slightly different persona for each of your email accounts i do i do really yeah and language and email accounts so what does it mean that you like email the, the earliest accounts? one the astronomers you know that that harkens to the early days of gmail so mm-hmm. i was a very different person obviously then i was very silly and now i'm very serious and so now i have a more serious email address okay mm-hmm and then I have um, one that's associated what with my is astronomers. Right, I noticed. I think that's the press. That was the professional email. That so one is actually has bottomless storage, so I can use lots of data. Uh-huh. So that's just one okay. thing that you get from um, from an expensive fine arts. Is that a little perk? Just get that's just the well, basically the, the only days? perk, and that really should, <laughs> should be advertised in bold lettering <laughs> when you accept. They're like that. a lot of our students just come here for this data storage, right? <laughs> It might be the you know the biggest need after freshwater in just a few years. Well, perhaps we should give it a read, I guess, since we're already there. And okay. In the email, should we read it in an experimental kind of way, where maybe you start reading it and then I will. Um, Correct me when I mispronounce something. No, I will <laughs> echo you and 
I will like start reading a few seconds after you. So we'll be, oh, okay. it'll be sort of an international art English cacophony, essentially. Okay, so I, my task is just to try to keep reading. You know, I'll be distracted by you. By my I, attempt to read as well, yes. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll try. I'm not it will be an immersive that. experience. Basically, you know, you're in the East Coast and you're reading and I'm on the West Coast. So maybe there's a delay. And also maybe with okay. our cacophony, we're just covering the... So maybe the states. three, in each hour of our actual time delay will be representing like some much smaller unit of time. Maybe. And then also exactly. maybe we'll understand the point of art making as we do it, or whoever is listening will understand. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, I'll do it. I, I was a little hesitant, but if that's the reward. July 14th to August 17th, 2019. Opening reception, Sunday, July 14th, 7 to 10 p.m. Gallery hour, Saturdays 1 to 5 and 5 appointment. Panoramic, massive ocean views await you at this custom Tuscan villa built in 2008. Sitting on 2.5 acres, this 4,198 uh, San Francisco estate exhumes luxury, luxury living from the inside and throughout. Stunning coastline, Queen's necklace, and Catalina Island views are surrounded by rock formation, nature, and this tranquil hilltop retreat. Interior of the main house is a contemporary feel and ocean views from almost every room. Masterblad has a large cedar closet. July 14th. Voluminous vaulted ceilings and balcony. Featuring the most incredible vantage Opening points. reception. Sunday. Real estate copy. Anonymous. July 14th. Actual size is pleased to present without. Early hours. Saturday. Collaboration between Sarah Constantino. And by appointment. Researcher in economics and ecology. And your latest <laughs> Await you at this custom Tuscan villa. An artist approaching the exhibition as an experiment. Point five acres is four thousand one hundred ninety-eight. Investigate the anthropocentric luxury possibilities that emerge through hybridization of art and academic research. Through a series of sculptural, video, and audio gestures, they examine how the human centered view is to systematically measure, organize, and transform the appearance of natural landscapes from almost every room. In the quoted real estate copy of the massive wild blue body of the ocean, containing multitudes of animals and habitats, is flattened into an art, an inner panoramic image awaiting the portion of The writer goes on to describe how the estate's extreme luxury living inside and through an This typo or autocrat. As an Exhume is a geological term meaning to expose the land surface that More commonly, it refers to the appearance of a corpse. Here, luxury living how the human-centered view. The corpse of domestic comfort is reanimated by contemporary appearance. The works on view express the ideas and values, human consumption, and extensive collection of texts related to how ownership copies the value of the ocean. Sources referenced range from real estate property to property law to academic papers on environmental psychology, landscape aesthetics, and classic works of American medicine. 
The writer goes on to describe how the estate exhumes luxury living. The exhibit, the audio citations from these texts, videos of 3D renderings from real estate exhumed websites that make visitors to churches and yard surfaces looking out on fabricated refers to the unearthing plastic bags. Here, luxury living and forestry, classic works of American romanticism, and scenic beauty estimation manuals. In the exhibit, the audio citations from these texts describe unseen views, videos of 3D renderings from real estate websites, invite visitors to journey through unbuilt homes looking out on fabricated natural scenes, vacuum-sealed plastic bags, asphyxiate natural and med-made detritus, plexiglass pedestals support ceramic indices of domestic space in their empty window frames, and translucent curtains of real estate copy obscure the literal view from the gallery, darkening the room and conjuring spectacular vistas. Enjoy the view. Well, that was fun. <laughs> I really tripped over your last names. Oh, that's okay. You'll have to edit this out, we have, sorry. We have Do you want me to read it again? No, no, no. Okay. No, it's fine. I feel like I kind of messed up a bit. No, it's fine. It's I think okay. it's it's a good experience. I think of maybe when, you can edit it like, and just use some of the middle bit or something. No, I think it's a good. Exp- it's sort of a good example of how one um, navigates a press release. You know. So oh, okay. Like I think like um, stumbling over the. Ha- it's a hands-on yeah, demonstration. Can I ask you some? Um, some yeah, questions? definitely. Yeah, or questions. is this going to be a spoiler for people who will actually get to see this in person? No, more. no, you can. I guess you, you don't know what I'm gonna ask. Yeah, I think it's fine. Whatever. You want. <laughs> it's not. It's not a fiction. You know, it's not like a narrative feature. It's not like a TV series. It's not like people are gonna be like, oh, the all the pedestals died. I should have. You know, I didn't want to know that. I noticed that you say the third sentence, maybe, of the press release, I mean, after the sort of um, re- the real estate copy, you talk about how, well, through a series of sculptural video and audio gestures, um, the works examine how human-centered view, how the human-centered view has been used to systematically measure, organize, rate, value, and transform the appearance of natural landscapes for human consumption and possession. Mm-hmm. And I sort of wanted to push you there and to question whether it is just a generally human-centered view or sort of like humans living in, in, under late capitalism in like this particular moment. Because I, I would imagine that this way of seeing is historical. So I think I would agree that, that is a, there's a historical, I guess, precedent of humans wanting to extract value or comfort or something from from surrounding environment but i think it accelerate you know it's obviously been accelerated at this time and over the course of the last couple of centuries, over the course of 20th century certainly so i think whereas before it was maybe there was still 
just the scales were not as tipped, you know, by the sheer, by the ability, but like the human ability to process the landscape to their advantage, like the environment. Oh, wait, I think we're talking about two different things, maybe. Oh, okay. Maybe. So I didn't, I guess you're sort of talking maybe about the way that humans have interacted with the environment and sort of maybe considered themselves like the masters of it. Mm Mm-hmm. Where I was talking about more like seeing in terms of viewing something Mm -hmm. and viewing it in a particular way in which it is a commodity. Does that make sense? Yeah. I like you said something about flattening. So I'm not talking about humans trying to master their environments or to bring them into the service of their own needs and comforts, because I agree that that is timeless. But just about a particular way, maybe, of understanding views as sort of some kind of flattened picture of something. There's sort of a painterly, kind of a painterly approach. I I mean, I do think that that's always been, I think, historically, there has been a desire in humans to represent nature, as we can see from sort of early cave paintings. But I think these things do connect, you know, somehow, you know, where does the representation of something um, becomes the primary focus? Sometimes I think that image is more important than the actual thing. Yeah. And I think because we're so disconnected from nature, you know, from Mm -hmm. the way that just things operate, in the wildness, I think we have come to see it as an image, almost. Yeah, well, I think it's interesting to think about how perhaps different forms of media or ways of seeing that have emerged over, mm-hmm. I don't know how long, like when when perspectives sort of emerge in the, right. I don't know, like Western art historical yeah, records. paintings don't yeah. have like a view, really, you know? They, yeah, I feel like they often almost itemize. It's sort of right. like a tree, there's a bison, there's a mountain. So there's the kind of... Um, but I think you also they like pointed an embedded, maybe pointed an embedded sort of position, whereas a perspective assumes that there's a you know point of view, right? There's perspective, I think it was in painting, it was connected to sort of in scenic design, I know in French um, scenic design, like a 17th century perspective um, in in designing for the stage was really connected to the fact that the king is sitting front and center. So this is, you know, he's the sort of the point from which then the perspective radiates. There's mm-hmm. a vantage point. So I think the perspective does point at being outside and not being within. Or being inside and looking out of windows and painting things that then become desirable and right. So you're not a part of nature. You're sort of you objectify it. You know, that's kind of. I think that's where. That's right. I guess I'm just sort of wondering when people got used to when they had encounters with paintings to seeing particular kinds of landscapes. And I'm also thinking about postcards, which are you know Mm -hmm. sort of have fallen out of popularity, I don't know, in the last, like, 30 or 40 years, but... But transformed, um, I think, on Instagram, you know, taking people taking... You know, it's a whole genre of people taking selfies with nice landscapes. 
Right, but I guess what you're seeing a selfie is a little bit different than what you would see looking out the window. True, because you're also not looking at the landscape, you're looking at the viewer. Um, Right, in a selfie, you're kind of, the main focus is the person. Yeah. And, right. I'm just wondering if that's like a particular way that that we're seeing things um, that maybe, I don't know, has to do with looking out a window or with sort of art history our historical de- or developments and like painting or yeah um, well we actually Sarah, Sarah and I started talking about doing this kind of after um we were all um kind of a group of friends we were all in this reading club or group together mm-hmm. um that a friend of ours um Susanna Batten started and the first book that we read together was Ecology Without Nature by Timothy Morton mm-hmm. and it's kind of rethinking environmental aesthetics and I think one of the kind of big overarching points he was making there that the, um, he was trying to kind of circumvent the, what he saw as fallacies of stumbling blocks of environmental thinking um, mm-hmm. and the kind of the, the stumbling block with the image of nature. So he was trying to, um, he was sort of arguing for hard to explain but you know he was like there are all these images of nature that we're in that we're culturally surrounded by that are in like in writing and images you Mm -hmm. know so they give us this idea of nature but it's not nature itself I guess it's what I was saying earlier kind of um, yeah okay so it's like sort of human produced version of nature exactly interpretation Uh, maybe rendering so it's just a so I think that flattening into an image I think it's Okay, so the image thing is more kind of like a metaphor for the larger idea about. Yeah. Well, it sounds like I need to go back and read the press release a couple more times until like four, five, (laughs) six times. Okay, so I was just sort of taking another direction and running with it, but I like this. I was assuming that it was more art historical, but actually, it's like a little bit closer to sort of my wheelhouse. And anyway, it's connected. I think because. You know, I think with Timothy Morton, at least, was I think he was referring also to both an art historical version of landscape and also literary mm-hmm. version. You know, all, all the kind of ways in which. Mm-hmm. Okay, right, but it's a, it's a sort of different ways that nature has been culturally produced by humans. Right. Yeah. Not just about the way that somebody in an expensive house's view is sort of something that they think of having. Uh, that's something that they sort of accumulate or that they, but yeah, it's all tied in, I suppose. If that's yeah. your approach to nature is that, you know, you're trying to extract value from it and not sort of give anything yeah. back. Then that is a, we just let it be, I suppose. Um, um yeah. But well, yeah, who knows? I, well, only nature would know. I think. I think, did we talk about this? How like, not to take you back to a dark place, but like one of the, or is this even true? Maybe this is like an urban legend about one of the interesting post Chernobyl developments in the, yeah. in the sort of restricted territory is that all this right. life is supposed to be doing so much better. True. But that, it all, but all the, is that true? I think it's true, but all the fishes have three eyes. Is that really true? Too? <laughs> no, that was my joke. But I think yeah, there, there are some mutations. But yeah, it's true though. Yeah, there's much wildness. Well, is there anything? Is there anything you wanted to tell us about the about the exhibition that didn't sort of make it into the 
press release, like some outtakes or trivia or bloopers or well, just secrets? I guess <laughs> well, it's in the press release, but I'm really excited to be collaborating with my friend Sarah Constantino, um, who is coming to Los Angeles tomorrow from New York. Um, wow. And it's been, it's been really fun working together. So <laughs> this is just a shout out to Sarah. Um, yeah, I just really appreciate, well, like, you know, I always think about what is, or I question the, the point of art making, you know, but, um, Sarah, I feel like has such a busy life at the moment. So she's just like recently became a mother and she's like conducting a few kind of research projects and teaches, um, Princeton. And so I feel like it's really nice to, the person that has a normal job would like also want to fly around to do an art project. <laughs> because then I also um, feel like art making is really meaningful and could also serve as like um, a really helpful tool for people when all their jobs are taken by robots, you know, because you know, yeah. it's really fun and, and you feel like you're making meaning and you're creating something you know, you feel sort of activated. So anyway, it's been a fun, fun time. Yeah. I mean, it's sad that we live in an age when we have to remind people that art is valuable. I know even ourselves really, I guess I have to remind myself that. Yeah. I mean, I don't mean that it should be just like that artists should be like protection from having to answer any questions about like what, they're contributing to society, but I do think it's weird that I think it should be. I think there should be a there should be a law. You should be protect. I mean, I feel, I feel like, like considering all questions. that, a lot of people that do kind of evil things but have good salaries don't really get questioned about like what they're contributing to society. That society. True. And then people are very, can be so suspicious of artists and academics. It's like like that yeah. they're doing things that are like useless, and I'm like, well. Is it would it be better if I was like working in an office exploiting poor people? I don't know. I mean, anyway, <laughs> that's what people do. That's such office. a typical like complete exaggeration, straw man argument on my part. But I um, not exaggerate. I feel like you know it's a hot take. Like, hey, since I got to New York, I've been so like angry. I've been like oh. yelling at cars that have. <laughs> Across. Oh, yeah, it's a bit crowded after LA, I suppose. There's a lot of people. Um, wait, can I, wait, I was also want to say that I've only been back for like less than 48 hours, and I've already heard that Alicia Keys song, New York. Do you know what song I'm talking about? No idea. Oh, I feel like I could. I mean, you know what? I actually had heard it for years, but I didn't understand that she was saying New York. But you can look it up later. Anyway, I was like, it's kind of like the oral equivalent of like a corny like mug from like Times Square mm. anyway <laughs> all right well what I did want to say which is not about Alicia Keys but um one more thing I just okay you asked me before what my favorite part of the press release was and I don't remember what I said but I do I want to say that my favorite part actually was um about it being a hybridization of art and academic research which is kind of what you were saying um because I think that I always kind of want to see more academia in my art, of course, because I'm an academic. And but I and, but I also always want to see sort of more art in academia and academic writing, which I think can sometimes be very imaginative. But I wouldn't ex- say that that's the norm. Mm. And 
there's something about the way that good art, you know, of course, presents a sort of multitude of interpretation that I sometimes wish that in academia there is like a little bit more space for kind of impressionistic or mm-hmm. um, presentations of material. Yeah. So that makes sense. It does make sense. Because that everything like have to tie my, together or be like yeah. matched up to like Right. It's almost like in in academia, it has to be a particular point, and you have to just rally behind that point, you know, and make it possible instead of having this kind of multiplicity. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it's um, there's something to it. I mean, of course, there are people with feet in both worlds, and yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly. It would be ridiculous to say there was no. There was no academic research going into like artist work, or that there wasn't any play- playful interpretive, um, or I don't know, what's playful artistic or aesthetic like um, gestures within academia. But I mean, there could be a lot more. Let's put it that way. So um, it's yeah, it's yeah. really cool that um, you guys put this put this together. And I'm sorry also not to get to meet Sarah. Oh well, I'm date you with images. Don't worry. <laughs> Okay. And whatever, if there's going to be like good snacks, a snack opening reception, I'll be sorry to miss those two. Oh, so there's just going to be beer, I think. A beer and snack. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to miss the free beer at your opening reception. I'm sorry, on you're missing Sunday. it. <laughs> but thank you for joining me um, on this non-podcast podcast episode, or maybe it just yeah. became a podcast episode somehow. But we somehow no. managed to think. <laughs> the release, but we did manage to have a conversation. And yeah. I, I, you know, would urge everyone who's not already sold to really go. Great. You know, have a yeah. beer. <laughs> yeah, have a beer. Have a have a have a think about on Yelena. Yeah, have a beer. Check night. out this very cool. Pour um, some beer in me. I think it's going to be a really hot day, so it will be sweltering in Chinatown dusk, which will be nice. You know. I don't believe that it actually gets that hot in Los Angeles. You don't know how we're suffering here in New York. I don't know. Um, but okay, I'll take your word on it. It's going to be sweltering, which means everyone will like still have to Yeah, we'll all sweat together at start opening. How fun. <laughs> that does Sorry, sound really fun. Mm, no, All right, probably. great. Bye, Elena. Bye, Emily.